Thanks for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City Podcast. Our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. If you'd like to visit us in person, we are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway here in beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee. You can become a giving partner by visiting us at BelieversChurchJC.com. We love you, we are praying for you, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Happy New Year and welcome again to Believer's Church. We are thrilled that you are with us today for the first Sunday of 2024. This is going to be an incredible year. If it's your first time with us today, we're just grateful that you're here. I have the opportunity today, the privilege, to introduce our 2024 vision series that we're going to start getting into next week and what we're going to be talking about today, which is 24-7. And this is leading up to the 21-day devotional period that we have together, devotion, prayer, and fasting that's going to begin tomorrow, January the 8th. Very, very excited about that. For some of you who have started to prepare for that or to think about that, I want to encourage you today, if you haven't already decided, whatever it is that you're going to fast or abstain from, you need to be thinking about that today if you haven't already. Preparation for these kinds of things are everything. Otherwise, you get two, three days into this and you're already off the wagon. So today you want to be thinking about what it is to prepare your heart for what's coming up. This next 21 days, just let me know, you, it shifts everything in our church at the beginning of the year. What we experienced in 2023, which, which was just insane, was a result of the 21 days that we pushed ourselves at the beginning of the year seeking God in His presence. So there are a few more of the books out there if you want to grab one. The, the devotions, they're at guest services. But also you can, you can view these online on the website under resources, or you can go to the app. It's just something we want to invite the entire church family and others to do with us. So our focus for the next five weeks, as well as throughout the year, is going to be on things that don't happen on Sundays. In order to make full disciples of Jesus Christ and then become also full disciples of Jesus Christ, we need this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week mindset of what this is supposed to look like where Christ lovingly invades all our lives every day of our lives. So I'm going to share just a few examples real quick of things that do not happen on Sundays. Discipleship is one. If you've been here more than two or three times, you, or at least two or three times, you know how important discipleship is here. Meeting with people one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, something very important in our church, that is something that does not happen and cannot happen on Sunday. It's not what Sunday morning is designed for. How about time alone with God? In the 20th and the 21st century, we've started to call this quiet time. So if it's your scripture reading, if it's your prayer, if it's that growth time that you have in your relationship with God, I know all of you have that seven days a week. I don't even need to ask. But this happens, does not happen on Sunday mornings. A missional in the world, evangelism, the work of justice, these are things that don't happen on Sunday mornings. And then there's also small-scale communities. So our community groups, which will be starting back in February, this is something that's very, very important because you can kind of hide in this atmosphere. Not so easy to do when you're around 4 to 10 to 8 people, 12 people, doing life together. That's not something that happens on Sunday mornings either. So this is not to take away from the importance of Sunday morning. This gathering is really, really important. I would go as far as to say this is the, the main event, but 90 minutes on a Sunday morning will not change your life. 
All right, there's some great things that you can bring from it. You can think, okay, I've got a little bit of energy or spiritual strength to go into my Monday, but like me, by lunch at Monday, you're struggling, and the world is starting to pour itself back in. So if this is the only thing that you're getting in your life spiritually, you are spiritually exhausted and depleted. So what we're trying to do is show you how to take your life and change it into the way of Jesus. It's something that every single one of us have to have. Without that, you, you don't even want to be around me. Difficult to be around. I've got to have Jesus pouring in 24-7 or I'm really struggling. I know that's not the case with any of you. As you nudge your spouse and say, listen to what he's saying. And they say, no, you listen to what he's saying. All right, we all need it all the time, 24-7. What does it look like? What was the idea that Jesus had when he starts to develop these disciples? So again, not taking away from Sunday morning, but there's other things that we have to have. So let's assume for just a second that I'm a professional athlete. You can laugh, all right? Hey, I was this close to the NBA, this close, all right? But... So let's just say that I'm a professional athlete and I'm only going to show up for the games. That's the main event. That's the thing that everybody thinks about. But I'm not going to train. I'm not going to diet. I'm not going to travel with my teammates. I'm not going to watch film. I'm not going to study plays. What kind of athlete, maybe even more importantly, what kind of teammate am I going to be? I'm going to be a very poor athlete and a very poor teammate. It's the same thing with a person that commits their lives to maybe going to church on Sunday mornings, but not pouring anything else into their lives. So this is the point that I'm making right here. Christianity is declining in the West. We know that's, that's very obvious. We are a church that is growing. Most churches are not growing. Most churches are declining. Churches are shutting their doors every single Sunday. So we know that it's declining in the West, and it's declining because we are spiritually malnourished, and we are completely unaware of it. Like, we don't even know it. We don't even recognize it. We think we're doing good because we're going to, to church or because we have an app on our, our phone where we spend four minutes a day doing a Bible. So, okay, God, I'm recharged. I can go throughout the whole day when we're not prepared. So we are spiritually out malnourished and completely unaware of it. The average Christian gives 2% a year. 2% a year. This is to the church, to charity, whatever it may be. 2% of what they have. Jesus tells us to give everything. They give 2%, and here's the thing, they're really proud of themselves. Like we pat ourselves on the backs and we tell how wonder, ourselves how wonderful we are because we give just a little here and we give a little bit there, so we are completely unawareness. This awareness is a result of generational apathy, meaning it's not the fault of anyone in here who is young, it's our fault. It's those that were supposed to be carrying the cross, we have failed because we don't understand 24-7 discipleship. So this awareness is a, unawareness is a result of generational apathy toward the way of Jesus and a deeper acceptance of, get this, culture as a disciple maker. Again, understanding that, that 24 hours a day, that the news, what you're watching, what you see on your phone, it's forming something. It's making something. It's not that you're just watching a video. It's not that you're just having a conversation with a friend. It's not that you're just engaging in this particular activity in the workplace. These things are forming you all of the time. We are all disciples of something. Now, this change has been subtle. 
And that's what's been so dangerous about it, but it's real nonetheless. So allow me to explain this morning, 24-7, if our lives are being formed by something, what this looks like. So what we have here is heavy research on what the American weekday looks like, if you guys will pull up this next slide here. So the average American weekday looks like this. First, nine hours of sleep. I have not had nine hours of sleep since I was a single college student. So I want to know who in here is getting nine hours of sleep. we gotta, we got to check this. Re- some of you, okay. Those of you that are raising your hand, you've just been kicked out of this church, okay? So n- nine hours of sleep, three hours of chores and hygiene, four and a half hours of work. Now, you may think that that doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to take into consideration some people work part-time jobs, some people stay home with kids. There's a lot of different reasons for this. Some people just choose not to work. So four and a half hours of work a day, one hour of eating, maybe more for me, all right? Five hours of leisure activity. Again, I don't like you. How do you have time for five hours of leisure activity a, a day? And then we have 42 minutes of buying stuff. So this right here, if you add this up, it gets close to 24 hours. This is what the average American workday looks like. Now, I want you to pay attention to what's next because another study suggests that 12 minutes a day are are given to any kind of religious activity whatsoever. So 12 minutes a day of religious activity. So listen, we've got all of these things going on. The religious activity involves a lot of things. Maybe it's whenever you open up your Bible to read it. You're driving down the road and you're listening to worship music. You're having a conversation with a friend about something that's going on in your life spiritually. 12 minutes a day is contributing. Now listen, in my most southern dialect that I can possibly give you, 12 minutes a day ain't changing nobody. Nobody. So if you feel real good about your Sunday attendance and throughout the rest of the week, you may be opening up your your app and looking for just a few minutes and saying your short prayer, you are being discipled by something 24 hours a day. And then we come to church and we think, okay, I've got my recharge. and, And for most people, average church attendance, by the way, right now is considered to be like once a month. That's not average church attendance to me. Average of church attendance to me is every time I have an opportunity to be with you guys, I'm going to be with you guys. Like that's what average church attendance is to me, but I know that we may see this a little bit different. We're going to go to the book of Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 3. This is a really, really great chapter. Some of you are going to recognize it as we get to it with what we're talking about. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And then I want to go to 17, which is the last, I believe, the last verse in that chapter. So Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to go down to verse 17. This is what the Word of God says. Some of you have your Bibles. Some of you can look on the screen, look on your phone. This is what it says. Joshua took down the camp early in the morning, and he had all the Israelites march out to Shedem, and they came out to Jordan where they stayed overnight before the crossing. At the end of three days, the officers went through the middle of the camp. They committed the people as soon as you see, commanded to the people as soon as you see the Lord your God's chest, it's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, containing the covenant, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to march out from your places and follow it. But let there be some distance between you and it, about 3,000 feet. Do not come near it. Now, this next statement is one of my favorite statements in all of Scripture because it describes my life. You will know the way you should go 
even though you've never traveled this way before. That is the life of faith. And in 2024, God is wanting some of you to understand. You may not know where you, where you are because you've never traveled this way before, but I have you on a path. I have you on a plan. This is what you need to be thinking about. Joshua said to the people, make yourselves holy. This means consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonderful things among you. Then Joshua said to the priests, lift up the covenant chest, go along in front of the people. So they lifted up the covenant chest and went in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to make you great in the opinion of all of Israel. Then they will know that I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. You are commanded, you are to command the priests who carry the covenant chest as soon as you come to the bank of the Jordan to stand still in the Jordan. Now we're going to go down to the last verse in this chapter. So the priests carrying the Lord's covenant chest stood firmly on dry land in the middle of the Jordan. Meanwhile, meanwhile, all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. So this is an exciting moment in the lives of the Israelites. This, of course, is the epic moment of the crossing of the Jordan. And it provides uh, three strategies that we can use today for our 21-day time together. So let me explain this again, just in case some of you haven't been here. Tomorrow, we begin a 20-day period of fasting, devotion together, and time of prayer. So here are three strategies that are not only going to help you for this, but also prepare you for 2024. These are bulletproof plans that if you put these into practice, your life is going to be different. Okay, so here they are. Number one is this. Don't deviate from specific instructions. Okay, don't deviate from specific instructions. The second one is this. Have faith or establish faith. There must be faith for a new direction. And then number three, prepare your heart for a new direction. Identity. So as we walk into this time, beginning tomorrow, for some of you, tomorrow morning, for some of you tomorrow afternoon, maybe for some of you tomorrow evening, as we do these devotions together, do not deviate from specific instructions. There must be a faith for a new direction and prepare your heart for a new identity. What a time for that. What a place for that. We're going to walk into this today, but this is going to be the mindset of the vision series that we're going to start next week. So I want you to think about how the American day typically looks, okay? Listen to this. I don't want to take away from your sleep. Actually, I kind of do, but I don't want to take away from your sleep. I don't want to take away from your work. I don't want to take away from your hygiene, I'm not going to take from that. I don't even want to take away from your food, but listen to this, listen to this. What if the five hours of leisure time, what if that time was redirected? What if it was redirected along with that 12 minutes? So when we're talking about five hours of leisure time, and some of you are saying, I'm not out, play- I'm not out golfing, I'm not out fishing five hours a day. That's not how my life works. No, this is the way that your life is working right now with this leisure time, scrolling and streaming. All right, the average American spends seven hours and four minutes a day staring at a screen. Now, a lot of this has to do with work. Hey, listen, you're all like, I can't believe that. That's crazy. Check your kid's phone. With teenagers, we're talking about 14, 15, 16 hours a day. 
This also has to do, again, with work. A lot of us, just by the nature of what we do, we have to be looking at screens. So the way that we're talking about rearranging our lives is not taking away some of the things that you know that you have to do, but instead taking away some of the things that are killing your soul in the process and making an exchange in that moment. Again, 24-7, we are all being discipled by something. So let's look at what we have here and what the Word of God says. First, don't deviate from specific instructions. What in the world does it mean? Because we know that we're not out in the Jordan crossing, trying to follow very specific instructions. What does this mean for us today? Let's look at verses 2 through 4. At the end of three days, and this three days was critical. We'll get into that in just a minute. At the end of three days, the officers went through the middle of the camp. They commanded people, as soon as you see the Lord your God's chest containing the covenant and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to march from, place, from the place you are and to follow it. That's an instruction. But let there be some distance between you and the 3,000 feet. That's another instruction. Don't come near it. That's another instruction. And in our passage, you will know the way you should go even though you've never traveled this way before. These instructions are very specific. This passage, in fact, is full of instruction. So listen, I know that some of you may not be, and some of us, we may not be structure people. We're a little bit more spontaneous. We like to fly by the seat of our pants. We don't necessarily like to be all rigid and organized and things like that. I completely get that. I understand that. Other people that are in this room, maybe some of the same people, we really struggle with discipline. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the majority of people that I know really, really struggle with discipline. But almost everything that you've ever had in your life is a result of structure and discipline. The body, when you go to the gym, the job, the financial goals that you set. Whenever you meet something, it's always a result of structure and discipline, and the spiritual life is no different. So what you'll notice when you incorporate spiritual disciplines into your life, scripture, prayer, worship, serving, giving, hospitality, whenever you start to regularly with discipline and structure incorporate these things into your life, these instructions, you start to change. Now, the reason that so many people give up is because in the early moments, you often feel absolutely nothing. Can we be honest enough to say that? Some of you in here have, have been told you need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every single day. And you start reading your Bible, and after three or four days, you recognize that you're just not getting anything out of it. It feels like it's just a book, and it's, it's not really working the way that you'd been told it would. There are other times that whenever we pray, it feels awkward. We feel isolated. We feel like, okay, I prayed for two or three minutes. I don't know what else to say. And it feels really weird. And then what happens is people quit because it feels so awkward and weird and it's easier to go talk to people or it's easy to go to your phone or it's easy, easier to do other things. So we ignore these disciplines. An example is when you read your Bible and you say, I'm just not getting anything out of this. But this is what is happening that you're not recognizing. You are forming muscles that you don't recognize at the time that are being formed into you. Now, this is probably not the best example to use, but I'm going to use it anyway. Some of you in here have taken, and if, according to statistics, one in four of you have taken or will take an antidepressant. One thing about antidepressants, when you start taking them, is you don't feel like anything's changing. 
And it's like you're still really depressed and you're still really moody or these things are going on and you don't recognize them. But then all of a sudden mom or dad or your spouse or someone like that says, come on, let's go to Walmart or let's go get something to eat. And you're like, okay. And they're like, do you recognize that you're doing a lot better? It's like this subtle thing in which all of a sudden your mood is enhanced and you're doing a lot better. That's just the way that the medication is designed to work. It works that way. It's the exact same kind of thing. All of a sudden, you are more gentle with people. All of a sudden, there is more of a graciousness about your, your spirit. All of a sudden, you are able to forgive people that you weren't forgiving. Because all of a sudden, you are developing muscles that are working within you that you didn't know you had. So you're going through this process and thinking the Bible is boring. I don't know how Christians do this. I guess I'm just not very good at it. It's easier to go to TikTok. It's easier to do this. When all of a sudden, things are forming in you that you never recognized worked. Dallas Willard says it this way, grace thrives on method and method thrives on grace. Meaning when you stick to a method every single day that is working within you, you are given grace to sustain everything that you need. And whenever you keep that up, they work together. Grace thrives on method and method thrives on grace. It's something that works. To grow into grace means to utilize more and more grace to live by until everything that we do in our lives is assisted by grace. And then all of a sudden, if you turn into a regular runner and you miss your day of running, your body feels that. If you go to the gym and you've missed two or three days, your body feels that. So that when the method and the rhythm is built into everything that you're doing, you recognize when it's not there. You're not easy to be around. You're more agitated. There are things that are going on through you and people are just like, what, what is wrong with him? What's wrong with him? If I have been away from scripture for 48 hours, you know it. Which makes me wonder how in the world, you guys, some of you aren't starving to death when you're completely away from the scripture. I mean, it completely transforms and changes who I am as a person. So the next thing after the instructions that we notice that there, is that there must be faith for a new direction. There has to be faith for a new direction. Listen to this. Faith in the process will make the discipline and the structure more possible. Did you hear that? Faith in the process. See, here's the problem. You don't have the structure and you don't have the discipline because you don't believe it will work. You don't honestly believe that God has something better for you. You don't honestly believe that if you commit to these things, God is going to do something through them. And if you don't have that faith, like if you believe God wants to leave you in your misery exactly where you are, or if God wants to leave you at best in like this low-grade depression where you are, and you don't have the faith that he wants to carry you into something deeper, the discipline and the structure will never be there. So what that means is that we're going to get into this study for 21 days and some of you are going to start it, well, I guess I'll do this. The church is doing this. This might be something that's good to do together. But if you don't approach this with God wanting to do something amazing in your life in 2024, that he is calling you out for a very special purpose, day two, day five, you know, day 17, you're done. If you make it to day 17, you're done. Because you didn't believe in the beginning that God wanted to do something through you. You see, Joshua knew that everything for the Israelites was about to change. They wore the identity of slavery, followed by the identity of nomadic wanderer for 40 years. But Joshua said to the people, verse 6, make yourselves holy tomorrow. The Lord is going to do wonderful things among you. 
So this is where the struggle is, and this is where the rub is. We want tomorrow today. And you see, they have to be camped out for three days, and I don't know exactly what those three days were like, but you start to get into a devotion, you start to get into Scripture, and you just think God's going to rain the heavens down and everything's going to change in that moment, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I read through, just, I just finished Ezekiel. I read through 29 chapters of Ezekiel, struggling through it, reading through Ezekiel again, when in Ezekiel 30, God gave me a word. And when God gave me that word, it was amazing. It's turning into a sermon. I don't know exactly when you guys are going to hear it. But for 29 chapters in a row, I'm like, God, get me through this book. <laughs> and that's the way that it is so often. But what's happening is these, these muscles are forming in you because you believe God is doing a work among you. So we're out there and we're camping for three days. And we hear that we're going to cross the Jordan. We hear that it's going to be wonderful. We hear that this is going to change our lives. But we want that today. You have to be patient because all of a sudden you're going to be standing still in the middle of the Jordan. And then all of a sudden you're going to pass, it, pass through it and then you're going to have this new identity. So the next thing that we see is preparing our hearts for a new identity. So we're following these instructions. We're understanding that there must be faith for a new direction, but then we were preparing our hearts for this new identity. And what does this look like? Keep in mind, slavery, nomadic wanderers, this Moses guy is crazy. What in the world are we doing out here? No food, no water. He's going to God. He's going to the elders. I don't know what to... Can I resign? Like, am I allowed to do that? Eventually, he gets so angry that he doesn't even get to have this moment. But God is in your tomorrow. God is saying, what does today look like? Put in the discipline. Put in the structure. It's always worked. It's a foolproof, foolproof plan every single time. Prepare for a new identity. So the Lord said to Joshua, today... I will get, begin to make you great in the opinion of all of Israel. Then they will know that I will be with you the same way that I was with Moses. So this is the challenge that I'm going to give you guys for 2024, uh, beyond 24-7, beyond this devotion, two things that we talked about in Vision Night, and two things that are continually very, very important in this church. First, on the individual level, one is on the individual level, one is on the collective level. On the individual level, this is what I'm challenging for mature Christians. Become a disciple who then makes disciples. This is what it's all about, okay? Again, the Sunday gathering being so important, we could call it the main event. Become a disciple that makes disciples. And let me just say this to some of you that are in here right now. If you're a Christian or you're new to this, but you've never walked through the path of discipleship, if you will take out a connect card before you leave, drop it in the offering bucket back here. You can take it to guest services. If you will simply place on that connect card, I would like to start being discipled in 2024. I would like to walk alongside another believer and learn scripture and learn prayer and learn these things and be disciplined about that. Do that. If you've already been discipled, you need to be making disciples. That is the calling on your life before your job, your career, and anything else. And it begins in the home. But making disciples, that's what we're here for. That's what scripture is all about. And if you don't like that, the next few weeks of this vision series are going to be absolutely horrible for you. But then the next thing is join us on Sunday mornings for prayer. The culture of this church has shifted as a result of prayer. Imagine that. 
Imagine that prayer. Not all these different strategies, not all these different blogs and conferences and things that we could be looking to, but people who are showing up early to pray. If you're a teenager that is passionate about this, pick up other people in the youth group and bring them here. If you're someone that leads a community group, reach out to your community group, bring them here. Because this is so important. In fact, I'll share how important this is. There's this famous story about a group of people who really wanted to hear Charles Spurgeon preach. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was one of the, best one of the most well-known preachers in the 1800s. And this is the late 1800s. And there is this, this group of people, and they show up at this church in England very early because they want to make sure that they can get seats. You have to keep in mind, this is before ticketing and social media and all these different, you know, you go in and you show your phone and there's a QR code on it. It's before all of this. They don't even know what Spurgeon looks like. So they show up early and they're in the church hours before the service starts by themselves. Then all of a sudden, this man walks up to them who happened to be Charles Spurgeon. And he said, they didn't recognize him. And he said, what are you guys doing here so early? And they said, well, we just heard about this preacher and how great he is. And just, can you tell us, like, if you know anything about him, where does this anointing come from? Like, where does this power of God where people just flock forward and, and accept Christ, like, where does this come from? And this man said, can I walk you to the furnace room? Weird question, you know, weird question, but can I walk you to the furnace room? So as they start to walk down there, there is a large group of people in the furnace room praying. And they are praying for the preacher, and they are praying for the people that are going to be there that night, and they're praying for the lost, and they're praying for revival to move Everything. You see, Spurgeon didn't point back at himself and say, hey, I'm kind of a big deal. Spurgeon takes them to where the work happens. According to Spurgeon, these prayer meetings were the throbbing machinery of the church. And even when we go to two services, um, Nathan Endicott's going to be leading a, a, for the second service people, places for people to pray, be pray before that service starts. That's not going to slow down because that's what's got us here. The prayer. So these are the two driving forces at Believer's Church and where all of my focus is going to be this year. This was shared at Vision Night. So if we continue, hear this, if we continue to build a culture of discipleship with a furnace room mindset, everything else will work itself out. If we continue to build a culture of discipleship and a furnace room mindset, everything else is going to work itself out. I'll tell you how passionate I got about this last year when I was preparing for this message. I wanted to take, I was actually going to talk to Roger about this. I never did. I wanted to take down our auditorium signs for this room and call it the furnace room. But I, did, I thought people wouldn't get it, and I thought, is that too intense? Furnace room, oh, we're going the wrong way. I guess the auditorium's over that way for new people. But, but that's how passionate I This has to be the furnace room. This, this place has to go up in flames with the fire of God. That's what's got to happen. And I have to be honest, I think our people, a lot of you, I think we've underestimated this. Like, I think we've, what, uh, we've underestimated what, and a lot of you don't underestimate when you walk in and you say, I feel the presence of God at that place. Well, there's a reason. And it's a furnace room mindset. So tomorrow we're going to start our 21, uh, 21 days of devotion, fasting, and prayer. 
God revealed some amazing things last year. The last day for this is going to be January the, my math is not wonderful, 29th, 28th, 29th, around in there. And then we're going to, the what? The 28th, okay. And then we are going to have a worship night on February the 4th that is going to cap all of this. It was amazing last year. So 24-7 is a devotional book that was written by our people, by a whole new group of 21 people, many of which are in this room right now. So here's your challenge. First, if you don't have a book, which there are very few left, they're out there at guest services. If you don't have a book, make sure you grab a 24-7 book today. If you're not able to get one, because if, if we're out of them, uh, we ordered 100 knowing some people would do this online. You can go to the website under resources, or you can go to the app and you can look at it digitally. But for a lot of us, we still like to write notes all over things. So if you want a hard copy, you can go out there and try to grab one. So make sure that you pick up one of those today. That This day, this 21 days, starts tomorrow. Number two, make your daily readings, prayer, and fasting, or what you're abstaining from, a priority. Work on the discipline. Work on the structure. Don't get to two day, uh, day two and say, well, I've got to figure out what so-and-so's saying online. I've got to figure out, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, if it's, if it's caffeine, if it's meat, if it's social media, if it's sugar. Uh, if you do a 21-day full-day fast, just make sure that you're being very careful. Make sure that you don't have low blood sugar. So make these things a priority. And then thirdly, use these instructions for faith in a new direction and prepare your heart for a new identity. You see, that, that's the issue when we go back to the faith. Uh, do you really believe God wants to do something incredible in your lives? Do you really believe that? Because if you don't believe that, this is just going to be a little boring devotional that you'll feel good about whenever you're finished with. But if you believe that there is a new identity in 2024 for you, if you believe, if you have faith in the process, it's going to make the discipline and the structure easier. We're going to do this. And 2024 is going to be the best year in the history of this church. And there are people in this room right now, and this is what God has revealed to me, that are quiet, that are hiding behind some things, that have some, some deep-rooted struggles in their lives, and they're going to be some of the people to propel this forward in 2024. It's going to be some new people that recognize, I do have a new identity. God is doing an amazing work. And this is the year that I'm repaid for what the locusts have eaten. So the way that we're going to close this out today is the same way that we close out every message at the beginning of the year as we introduce this. And I'm going to invite all of you here in just a second that want to come forward to the altar and I'm going to lead us in a prayer together as we, as we then go out after worship into tomorrow. And then after that, we're going to worship. And we're going to lift Jesus up. And what we're going to do is we're going to claim this new identity. And we are going to claim faith in the process. And we are going to claim, God, we are trusting in you. We've prayed it. Now we're making room for it. So I want to invite you guys, those of you that do want to come forward, you, you don't have to if you're unable or you, this, this church is new to you or anything like that. You do not have to do that. But for those who are willing, I uh, just want to invite you to come up to the altar. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer here in just a second. There always has to be a first person. So 
I'm a college professor and people sit around and finally when one person brings their exam up, then everybody else starts going forward. So anybody who does want to come forward, it, your prayers are just as strong as if you're praying in your seat, so don't feel like you have to come forward at all. Uh, you're more than welcome to stay there if you'd like. Um, but I just want to invite everybody to come forward. And then after we do this, what we're going to do after that is we're going to go back to our seats and we're going to worship. Uh, but myself and, and Dad, one of our elders, we're going to stay up here. And if you want us to pray over 2024 for you, um, if you need to come up here and just deal with some things at the altar yourself, um, we are going to claim this new identity as we move into this year. So I'm going to invite everyone. Um, I'm going to let some people go ahead and continue to come forward as they are. And again, if you're praying in your seat, that's just as good of a place uh, to pray as, as well. No, no pressure whatsoever. Father, we come to you this morning and we lift you up in your, your, your good, perfect grace. God, um, I'm, I'm sensing, God, in this very moment, there's some hurt. There's some struggle. There's some anxiety. Uh, maybe even some doubt in you that is at this altar right now. The Holy Spirit is moving me in that direction, Father. I feel the resistance in my bones right now, God. And I pray, Father, for a new year. God, I pray for an awakening. God, I pray just the, the faith of a mustard seed, God, to be able to come forward and say, I'm going to give this thing one more chance. I'm going to turn myself over. I, I recognize that maybe the friends that I have or the way that I spend my time or the things that I'm looking at, uh, God, they're just adding to the struggle. They're adding to the depression. They're adding to the fear. They're, they're, they're maybe adding to the instability about my future. Uh, God, I'm struggling with commitment. I'm struggling with laziness. I'm struggling with every time I start, I feel discouraged because there are all these distractions everywhere. We rebuke those in the name of Jesus this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, anything that the enemy is binding in the hearts of people right now, Father, we pray for release so that we can worship like we have never worship before. Holy Spirit, activate and take, Father, all throughout this building right now, Spirit, we pray that you move in the gentleness that calls us sons and daughters, that loves us, that wipes away every single tear. And Father, is with us when we move through our struggles. God, as we approach the difficulty of structure, God, the boredom, the desire to, uh, to go what's easy and to turn you away. Uh, Father, help us, Father, to not make excuses. And God, help us to go through the difficulty of the beginning moments, Father, the moments where we're not feeling anything, the moments where we're still in camp on the other side of the Jordan, just wondering what the other side could be like. Father, I pray this morning that you help us walk through those moments. And as a collective body that we know that we're here for one another, that iron sharpens iron, that even this pastor that is on his knees right now is broken and has struggles and still needs the redeeming power of Jesus today as much as I did in 1997. God, we lift you up. We glorify you and we admit in this moment that we cannot do it. We are incapable humans flawed with a condition called sin. And God, that we need you. And my prayer, Father, is that we move forward, God, that you convict our hearts, that you show us what's right, God. You give us peace everlasting that you promise. And God, you give us a boldness in our faith. It's like what we've never experienced before. Father, help us to love one another the way that we're supposed to love one another. Father, help us to love the outsider and Father, help us to be exactly what you've called us to be. 
Father, as we open up day one tomorrow, Father, uh, bring into presence of mind that there are so many people in this room that have opened up day one as well. We praise you, we love you for the work that you're going to do. In the precious name of the Son of God, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Believer's Church of Johnson City Podcast. Make sure you join us again next week. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and information about Believer's Church. God bless and have a great day.